And we got a couple of guys with some length, you know, Giles and Chris, obviously, God gave them appendages that are going to help them do it. But, but like, even I, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I think Derek has one this year, and that's just because he gets it up at the right time. George certainly has a great timing for it. Welcome to Only Weird Games. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Only Weird Games, formerly known as Time's Ours. If the entire Chiefs defense has the career year that Steve Spagnuolo has been having, both on the field and at the podium, then the Chiefs will never lose again. It's Only Weird Games, Joshua Briscoe, Seth Kaiser, Nate Taylor. Nate, you were there for pressers today. Yes. Um, did that sequence spark anything amongst the assembled media? I was listening live back from the radio station. Yeah, there's a there's a visual element, too. Of there is. Arms. Literally. Arms. A lot of arms. Everywhere. You know, we get into the red zone. Get those hands up. Get those, get those hands up. Um, I guess Derek Nottie has one. Yes, so one. That's, that, that's good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Imagine how much better it would be for him as a football player if he had two arms. Two of them. One. Nah, he'd be, he'd be, he's, he's a decent, he's had a decent year so he's far. He's had a great year. Imagine how good he'd have been if he had two arms. That's right, Chris Palmer sets back. The only important news of the day. Had you heard that clip yet, Seth? Was that, or is that the first time for you? I had not heard it. I, the day job, <laughs> is slowly trying to kill both my soul and my physical body simultaneously, which is nice if it's simultaneous. What what um, how would you what would you say God gifted you with appendage wise? He was talking about batting down passes, everybody. No, I was, gonna, out gonna of the show, I was gonna show you. Like I, I was just thinking. What? And we all know that the appendage that I have that everyone has noticed the most is this one. That's the only point. I guess technically an appendage. Yeah. I, I've been gifted with the uh, with with Dilophosaurus wings that somehow I didn't get until I was about, you know, 30, 31. Strangest thing. I'm not sure what happened there, but <laughs> you know, it's hard to say. A man changes, as as the late great Norm Macdonald once said. It certainly seems to be the case. No, he said a man grows. Well, it was in response to him. <laughs> we are so bad. We we are so bad. We missed you, Seth. Uh, in that in that in that say well in that lovely drive back north to your natural habitat. Yeah. Uh, Hey, I tried to make my presence known in the comments. Yes. Yeah, great yes. time, great timing for that little road trip. Which which we appreciate it because, you know, it's not every day or every episode where you're just plopped in with some news that I know we're gonna discuss later and other obviously developments. But um but yeah, you know the Chiefs are averaging, and I know this um still might surprise people, but the Chiefs defense is averaging fourteen points per game. Mm-hmm. If you yeah exclude the Kadarius Tony pick six mm-hmm. that somehow gets applied to the defense, even though they were never on the field. It's one of those, it's why we have, it's really why we have BVOA and why we have certain analytics in terms of success rate and obviously drives worth points in drives where you don't give up points. But in the traditional number system, they're averaging 14 points a game. 
and Steve Spagnuolo may have raised his arms 14 times today <laughs> uh, to demonstrate their usage of the drills. The various drills. appendages. The drills. The drills. You know, get to the long arm, and if that doesn't work, just raise it up a few inches and hope the ball gets there. Sure. Yeah, this, well, no, this, I've, this is a great show, but a terrible audio podcast. It is. I think is what that, I just realized. I am glad he addressed that, by the way, because I have been fighting a battle for years because it's only in the, like, the last year that people have finally, like, the vast majority of Chiefs Kingdom has finally accepted that Chris Jones is an elite, basically one-of-a-kind pass rusher. If you guys recall, the years prior to that, were frustrating ones for me. But what does he do against the run, Seth? Oh, he takes goodness. he takes plays down. Seth he takes plays off, Seth. Oh, and that oh, he like, doesn't show up in the postseason. Now, Seth. now, now, does Chris Jones jog out some plays that he could sprint out a hundred percent? Am I glad he does that? Yes, because for me, it's like it's like oh, they ran a wide receiver screen to the other side of the field. The odds of him being involved in that play again are like. 0.0001%. The odds of him needing to rush the passer the next play, and I want him as fresh as possible, 99%. So, as long as it's he's judicious about it. But the thing that drove me nuts, because people used to say this about him all the time, when they'd say, oh, he takes all these plays off, almost every time someone sent me a clip of that, it was because he was doubled or blocked well and was looking to swat the ball. And because Jones is incredibly sharp, I mean, he's so good at this, he doesn't get his hands up right away because you don't want the quarterback to see what you're doing. He watches and waits and swats. And hearing uh, hearing, hearing Spagnola talk about that, Adam Sheehan with a great cup, not everyone can be furious, George. Not everyone can be furious, George. And that works two ways now. George Karloftis never stops moving. I don't know what that, I don't know what water polo's like, but it mm-hmm. gives you... Apparently, you just never stop running in water. So that for, seems kind of true to my limited, but apparently yeah. better than your understanding of water polo. Keep those legs yeah. moving. Yeah. yeah. So for him, I kind of wonder if George Karloftis all day when he's running around on a football field is like, man, running in non-water is so easy. I don't know why <laughs> these guys are so tired. You know, it's just like, like, you know what I mean? It's just like, you know, man, why, why are you guys so tired? This isn't even, this isn't even water. Like, this is just grass. It's so easy. But he also is unbelievable at swatting the football. And between him and Jones and Amenahu, those guys have appendages for days. I've never seen appendages like this. And I just You've seen mind. at least one. I do have unusually long arms for a guy my height. Anyway. That I... Seth will reach up and smack you in the face if you talk bad about him. He'll reach. He'll get there. I'll reach way up. Maybe get a step stool. It's hard to say. Uh... I just want to remind the audience and our viewers that Chris Jones is 6'6", and he also plays in the interior. It's it's He's an alien, guys. See, he's, he's, he's he wins alien. on bull rushes when he's like four inches taller than the other dude. It's yep. the weirdest thing. He's like reaching down. I have leverage from above, which just <laughs> is yeah, different than everything we've been taught about low man wins. It's like, no, nah, not every right. time. And, and one of the best comments today... Uh, from Steve Spagnuolo, as I can demonstrate for our visual audience, is, you know, guys, um, the reason why we move Chris around is because, you know, when he's inside, like, if you knew he was playing the right tackle on every snap, they'd get four hands on him. 
four. He only he only he only showed us his two. <laughs> and I said, I love the gesture, coach. I got it. <laughs> Didn't need it. But I just love Sometimes he accidentally starts teaching in a press conference and yes. it's the best. He's like doing yes. technique in a presser. It's, it's He's like, you know, because sometimes they want to get they want to get four hands on, you know, immediately. You know? And sometimes we can use that to our advantage, but that's one of the that's the main reason why we move him around. So he doesn't get four hands to him at all times. Every time Nate has said that, if you are just listening later, he is he has thrust out his two hands with enough force to knock any human being on the planet over. It's just that's explosive. Or if you're Creed Humphrey, it's just snap and you stop. I'm gonna stop you right there. Let me move you right here. <laughs> Next play. Let me shotgun and you're done. And, and <laughs> stay right and just done. stay right there. You just described ninety nine point nine percent of Creed Humphreys and Joe Tooney's past pro reps. They are just, just done. Just at like, up. Oh. At least Joe Tooney gets both hands. He, you know, he's, he's right here. He's right oh, that's here. true. He's oh, yeah. Through. No, his feet, we can't see your feet right now, Nate, but I assume they are perfectly oh, positioned yeah. Yeah. while you're talking about Joe Tooney. So, <laughs> so Pat's saying wide 80, right? Right. Yellow, maybe a little, maybe a little indicator on who the mic is. Oh, I, oh, I guess Kelsey... From the slot is calling cover zero. <laughs> Hike. Elsie from the slot. That. Go ahead. Uh, that's so great that you brought that up. Josh, did you see that? No, I don't think. Not the cover zero. I saw some of the mic'd up stuff, but I don't think I saw the cover zero. I must have missed a full cut. So with the full thing of him mic'd up, there were two incredible moments in that, both of which I think are really, really interesting. I'm now a big fan of whoever that rookie defensive tackle was. Yeah. I forgot his name. I was a big fan for long enough to forget his name. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, a man grows. And <laughs> and so I so um so Kelsey is lined up in the slot and he he yells out cover zero before the snap. And they ran cover zero. And afterwards, the slot corner goes, How'd you know that was cover zero? And Kelsey's like, hey, been doing this a long time. Been <laughs> doing this a long time. He is Indiana Jones. That is the most Indiana Jones line. Yeah, it's like, how'd you know that it was gonna chop your head off if you didn't kneel before God, trying to get to the uh, to the what was it again? To the Grail, to the Holy Grail. Kids, doing this a long time. I've been doing this a long time. Rob Gronkowski drank from the wrong cup and then aged more rapidly. Kelsey <laughs> continues to do this. You see that? You see that guy's head rolling? Yeah. <laughs> been doing yep. this a long time. <laughs> that Travis Kelsey had a lot of dad energy moments in this game. Yeah. Because I, I don't I don't remember. I don't think you guys talked about great show Monday, by the way. But seriously, I, him catching that long. Kelsey. Kelsey belongs in belongs <laughs> in a museum like of all the things to get that passionate about risking your life like all the things Indiana Jones is like so we could sit in a museum like that's that's the ill we're dying on here literally you're on, a, you're on this like yeah you like the most greatest yeah like late storm I've ever seen in the Atlantic yeah yeah the middle training or because it belongs in a museum like, did you see the way those 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 grad students were looking at you while you taught Indy? You want to be out here instead? <laughs> that's what you're doing that's now. What you're doing? Yeah, that's. I mean, man, in real life, Indy would have retired at age like 31 <laughs> and just been like, 
Well, I'm here to teach you all today. Yes, I know. Thank you. Thank you. It would have been, had the easiest life. Now, would the Nazis have gotten the Holy Grail? Well, no, we, actually, we can't go down that road because he actually doesn't change the movie, and that's a whole thing we can't really talk about. You cannot cross the seal. You cannot. He told us this. What you doing, girl? So, I, uh. Wait, so, you, is, there a, is there like an Indiana Jones conspiracy? I don't, you just alluded to something there, and then brushed it off so fast that I'm now, was, but I'm so interested. It's, it's from the Big Bang Theory. Oh, I'm less I think it's on Reddit and stuff. Okay. The idea is, well, Nate, you go ahead. And if you, you haven't heard it, if you don't cross the seal, I can have my cake and eat it too. You're the cake. Okay. <laughs> I am emotionally involved with someone <laughs> on the <laughs> wrong side of history, but you don't cross the seal. <laughs> on the wrong side of the history. <laughs> but you're That's so pretty. It's so wrong nice. side of history is doing a lot of work there. It's like, how do you like it? You know who's on the contact of history? The Nazis. Oh, pretty, pretty wrong. So here's here's the theory: is that Indiana Jones is completely irrelevant to the Holy Grail, right. to, to the film, because no matter what, the Nazis would have eventually gotten the Holy Grail, opened it, and all died. Correct. Ah. And so, and 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 uh, anyway. So this is like a theological little plot twist of like it's actually about the futility of man and despite oh, how gosh. hard you go for trying that ultimately the the holy power is going to find justice on its own is that the is that the the idea set man you you are I have no idea I haven't really given it any thought but I'm kind of hungry so I'm not really like I'm not I haven't thought too far depth I didn't think that the creator of of the holy grail was a calvinist but it's hard to say like it's like the futility and so Kel Travis Kelsey on that long touchdown pass that oh, right, that, that would have, let me just say, two years ago, maybe even last year, basically any other time before this year, Travis Kelsey's career, that's six. Maybe just before his knee hyperextended the last yeah. practice before the no, season began. And, he, and, and it was just so funny because he's still, he's got good speed and the safety had an angle, but like, the it was the funniest thing watching him close and you could tell he had so you guys gave a shout out to to our good friend Clint hosted us for a wonderful time playing ball. Um, we you had a lot of fun. Uh, you know what? I actually was better off than I thought it would be playing in flip flops on concrete like some kind of moron. Um, <laughs> oh, hey, sorry, I meant pride wise. I hey, I got my bucket. That's all I needed. Got my bucket. <laughs> well, when you're going up to five, I scored. I scored a third of our team's points. <laughs> so anyway, um, yes. Uh-huh. Yes, yeah, and again, and again, I don't know. Fine. I don't know why these details are like you know so important. <laughs> so the the interesting thing to me, what Travis Kelsey did, he he went full Clint, who's smarter and better than all of us, because he watched this play and immediately was like, "Nope, I'm an adult. No, thank you. I want to be able to move the rest of the week." What Travis Kelsey's running downfield, and you can see him like. I back on that safety. I could hurdle that safety. I, I could just stiff on that safety. I can that guy in cycle. I should just really fall down on that safety and really hurt him a little. Because <laughs> you know, it's just like, ah, you know, and, and it was just such a funny thing to me because I was just thinking like how different Kelsey is now. If you go back and watch his uh his his first healthy season, he was a thunderbolt when he got he was like it was like a six foot six, six foot five version of Rasheed Rice. When he get the ball in his hands, just take off. You remember? I mean, he took like an eighty yard wide receiver screen to the house against Denver. Now he's like, guys, I've been doing this a while. 
He like basically made a deal with that safety. I'm going to let you tackle me. And I'm going to lean on you. But let's not get you crazy with the old knees and ankles, bud. And I thought it was beautiful because who's among us? Was that the end of your sentence? Just who's among us? Well, Seth yeah. reading the chat. Seth, Seth am, started reading I'm the chat reading the again. Private chat. Yeah. Why are you guys so mean to me? I don't understand. I missed well, one time. It's, Man. it's not that we're being mean to you. It's that that chat you're reading for the first time was from 14 minutes ago. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. With the busy fall season already in swing, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for those jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian-approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. Relish the best of autumn with fall flavors, our limited-time, only, hearty, comforting meals featuring seasonal veggies like cranberry pecan chicken and apple Dijon pork chops, ready in just two minutes. They'll satisfy your fall cravings during the busy season without the hassle. Looking for calorie-conscious options during the busy season? Try delicious, dietitian-approved, calorie-smart meals with around or less than 550 calories per serving. Head to Factormeals.com slash KCSN50 and use code KCSN50 to get 50% off. That's code KCSN50 at Factormeals.com slash KCSN50 to get 50% off. Hey everyone, this is BJ Kissel and I want to tell you about our friends at Batchelder Family Farms and KC Buffalo Company. Located in Belton, Missouri on the south end of Kansas City, this family-owned business has been taking care of Chiefs Kingdom's meat needs for nearly 100 years, even before Chiefs Kingdom. But it's where you want to get your meat going forward. Whether you're looking for the most flavorful steaks, beef, roasts, or even bison meat, they've got you covered. They've got all the cuts on their grass-fed, hormone-free bison and beef products. Check out Batchelder Family Farms. Support local. Support good meat. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Five We're minutes fine. is not 14 minutes. We're fine. Oh. It's just 15 podcast minutes when we've got a little win. It's okay, Seth. I'm glad we got to talk about Travis Kelsey. I'm glad we got to have a lot of fun. I'm glad we got to relive the fact that I do still currently have like open wounds on the inside of my foot from the shoes I was wearing while playing basketball poorly. Um, so really falling apart for all three of us. But the Why? Chiefs, the Chiefs though, they're just still coming together. 
Um, I will we'll circle back through a few things you guys both wrote about Charles Aminahu that this might ultimately just lead us right into that conversation as well. But Seth, since we did not have you on Monday, you had written about Aminahu. Again, we'll come back around. But most recently, your fascination with Thanos continues. First, it was the uh, the back tattoo, and now it's another reference to him in the Chief in the North newsletter. Uh, tell me why the Chiefs remind you of uh, Angry Grimace. <laughs> well, they 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 are, and uh, shout out to uh, Aaron Schatz, formerly of Football Jots. Outsiders. Jots. Huh? Jots. Oh, is it? How about yep. I never pronounce the name correctly? S-C-H-A-T-Z. Shots. I think he goes out of his way to make sure that one's Shots, not the one that you said. Just Sorry, Aaron. Unbelievable provider of content. Incredible work. Nice fella. Everyone should follow everything he does. Um, so he he tweeted out um, or reported or he zeded. I don't know. Um, or is it sodded? It's hard to say. Uh, uh, back on the 24th, that Kansas City, uh, they're the first team to be top five in all three phases as of week seven since the 1999 Rams. So that means all three phases, you know, offense, defense, special teams, and that's in DVOA. DVOA, um, for lack of a better way of explaining it, how good are you relative to the rest of the NFL at moving the ball in a way that makes you more likely to score? Or stopping the other team from moving the ball in a way that's more likely to score. And that's better than just pure yards because um, five yards on third and five is very different than five yards on third and 20. Yep, yep. And so... It's a great stat. Every stat has limitations, but um, this is one of the better ones in terms of an entire team. And so they are number four on offense, which is hilarious with all the hand wringing we've done. Now, some of that is messed with by the ridiculous performance against the Bears, but they've been moving the ball well all season. And that's one reason that DVOA is a little less... um, it's a little better at predicting things than you're the final score of a game because that final score of the game obviously dictates who won the game, but it's not necessarily as predictive because weird bad luck or weird red zone snaps, that sort of thing, that can really affect the final score. Whereas if you're consistently moving the ball well, like the Chiefs were against the Broncos, they only scored 19. They were moving the ball all over the field. They could have scored 35. And so DVOA kind of shows that because usually if you move the ball well all year, Red zone stuff is a lot more noisy than other things. Um, Nick, the best hooper I've ever seen in person. Jordan, that's a $2 super chat from Jordan. Oh, played on the winning team. He'll super get, chat makes it true. He'll get, so, four, he'll get $4 for his, uh, for his return. <laughs> <laughs> that's just, that's just smart money right there. So, so they are like the, the idea is here that they are bounced perfectly in that they've got a really good offense, really good defense, and a good special teams. And I really liked that that stat came out right after Chiefs Chargers. And so what I wrote about is how in Chiefs Chargers, you could see how that plays out in real time. You know, the defense struggles to open up. You should be down. I mean, they, they the, the, the Chargers scored 17 points in three consecutive drives. It's like 5.67 um, points per drive, which would be like double what led the NFL last year. Normally, if that happens, you're in trouble. The Chiefs weren't. It was a tie game because the offense was playing great. Then the offense starts sputtering and the defense is like, we have decided you are done scoring points. Um, And we are going to hit Justin Herbert repeatedly and do all sorts of terrible things. And that that kind of balance, I I don't know if you guys saw it. I got to use a marriage analogy. 
Oh, I saw it. Oh, it was Go ahead. It was so wholesome. I got to just make sure I read it. Oh, good. Oh, hey, everybody, if you're new to the, if you're new to the show, this is Seth's favorite segment. Seth reads something Seth wrote. Fantastic. Yeah, and that was that was my name a lot. That was that was the end. <laughs> Think of this in turn. Oh, <clears throat> oh. Excuse me. Excuse me. Let me. I'll have a drink. Go ahead. Cough it up. Think of this in terms of a good marriage. I haven't used this space to talk about my wife, Jazz, much, so I'll take advantage here. Over the course of the last 16 years, she and I have both gone through stretches where we've struggled to hold up our end. Maybe it's a tough time. Maybe one of us is sick. Whatever the case may be. Maybe she's, you know what? I was going to say something that I didn't write there and I, I reeled it back in. Good job. Good job. When I'm, when I'm struggling, and this is, this is true, guys. When I'm struggling, Jazz is always able to pick up the slack and carry us for a while until I'm back in the full swing of things and vice versa. It's usually the first one, though. Mm. By filling in for each other's weak spots, we're significantly stronger than we would be otherwise. The Chiefs are like a good marriage. And that is just the most wholesome story in the NFL right now. Uh, to... to add to this lovely uh display of, of wholesome uh marriage counselor analogies um about his own wife who somehow is still here among us um let me ask a question for both of you fellows because i just looked it up to further illustrate seth's eloquent writing when was the last time the Chiefs trailed in a game? I mean, they lost to the Lions, so in week uh -huh. one. I think that might actually... There's a, They haven't trailed by very much, for sure. I actually don't know. Does anybody, I'm going I'm, I'm to let the comments it, have, a, have, a, have another couple of seconds. But did the Jags get up on them? Who was the last team to lead the Chiefs in a game this season? The Jets? Seemed like nope. a good guess. Nope. The Jets were not the team to do it. Before that? I think it was pre-Jets then. There you go, Thomas. Okay. Thomas Lester with the answer. It was the Minnesota Vikings who were up 13 to 10. You know what the Chiefs did? They scored a field goal at the half. And so it's like two and a half games. So the lead lasted all of a minute. In <laughs> 31 seconds. Um, with all of that being said, here's another thing. The last time the Chiefs also trailed by three points was to the Jaguars early in the first half of that game. And so the question really becomes, when, were, when is the last time the Chiefs trailed by more than a field goal this season? I then I I I don't even remember the scoring path of the Lions game. If I'm being honest, it was in the first quarter of the first game of the season. That is the only time this entire season through seven games where the Chiefs have trailed by more than a field goal. It is that one of the most. It, it's one of the most awe-striking sort of. Thoughts to have, even though we've lived every second of the season so far. Right. But, but I think that's more of a reflection of the defense and of the special teams not being an unmitigated disaster early in the year. Uh, 
So it's not because a field goal kicker, you know, it's not because Harrison Bucker struggled. It's not because Tommy Townsend outkicked his coverage or, you know, botched a a a punt. Uh, yes, there have been fake field fake punts that have been successful, which by the way, led to the first touchdown in the first quarter of the first game of the season. But it's a reflection, I think, mostly of the defense and the special teams that this team just has not trailed double digits all season. Even though Patrick Mahomes is the most greatest modern quarterback in NFL history, went down two scores. He hasn't been down two scores all year. Like, really think about that. It is wild. So if you want to make the arguments now, if you want to start making the arguments that the Chiefs, that this is the Chiefs' best team collectively since the Patrick Mahomes era, and I will still argue that no one remembers the 2020 team because of how it ended. The 2020 team was playing with people, um, kind of like mostly an NBA team. But we're not going to talk about the NBA. All I'm trying to say is the Chiefs are not sure by two scores all season. They have played seven games. That is more than a third of the season. That is unbelievable. That That is a, a fantastic stat. Uh, I want to talk about a minute who, but I think if we talk about Justin Ross right now, we can talk about what's the latest there for a few minutes, and then we'll take our next little time out, and we can start looking ahead even more to Chiefs Broncos and a minute who and all of that. But Seth, in an incredible uh, act of poor timing, the lawyer, was not with us on Monday as all of that was breaking. And we have plenty of new things that have now come out since then, both in the Chargers themselves actually changing from what was initially put out there, uh, by the uh, the Johnson County Sheriff's Department. Um, and also, we have an update on how the Chiefs have handled it. Um, from the Chiefs' side of things, been practicing. Wednesday was the first day of practice. Andy Reid said he'd be out there, and he was. And he's out there again today. And there's no reason in my mind to believe that he wouldn't play on Sunday uh, with them practicing all week. But um, I've, I've got one frustration with how this has been handled but Nate I want to make sure you get us the the remaining important facts Seth you can give us kind of your whole view as as lawyer man and uh then we can we can return to football momentarily but Nate what what have you seen what have you heard being out there about Justin Ross um so it was charged down to a misdemeanor so comparison that is similar to what Willie Gay went through in 2021 January I believe uh, if that's correct, because uh, yeah, because he got suspended for the 2022 season. So, um, he didn't come down until into that season. Yes, until into that season. So it's a misdemeanor um, where we thought the damage to the you know personal belongings was a lot higher than it was. It's actually a lot lesser, uh, kind of in that same again ballpark area of what Willie Gay went through. Um. He obviously had a hearing. He declined to comment about it. Uh, when asked after leaving, uh, a woman who at one point was a significant other uh, got her belongings out of the apartment. They, we are led to presume, are not dating anymore. Uh, he has practiced as a full participant uh, yesterday and today. The Chiefs, like a decent amount of teams, uh, want to say that we are aware of the situation and we're going to let the legal process play out. And, 
you know, um, Justin Ross's next court appearance, I believe, is in early December. Uh, so that'll be the next sort of update. So from now until December, unless something unforeseen information wise gets uncovered or, or, or is different from what they were told and what the police report and the hearing suggest, he's going to be on the team this season unless something changes. Seth, from your vantage point as an attorney, sure. Your thoughts and uh, where did I miss the 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 uh, the particulars and all of this? One particular that I think would be really important to um, to differentiate this from Willie Gay's situation is that um, Kansas is this is Kansas, correct? Mm-hmm. In a mu- municipality in Kansas, yep. So, so Kansas has the ability to they do things a little bit differently than how we do it in Minnesota, rather than having a specific charge regarding domestic assault. And then we just have damage to property, which is just kind of a run of the mill. It's own thing. Yes. Yep. So Kansas has the ability, all these things are certain crimes, but you have the ability to attach a domestic violence tag to it, essentially. Uh, And so what happened with Willie Gay Jr., he was charged only with destruction of property, but it was tagged as a domestic incident because it occurred within the home. There's kind of a, a, there's good reasons for that because there's a difference between, you know, damaging property out in public because you're being a hooligan and damaging property like punch like let, let's say you and i are walking through the hallway of a of some business and i punch the wall because i'm angry probably scary certainly but that's very different than punching a wall when you're in the middle of an argument with with your significant other mm-hmm. around your kids so there's a reason they can tag it with dv here's why i think there's a really important distinction to add here um unlike willie gay jr who was charged with 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 uh damaged property with a domestic violence tag he uh justin ross is charged with if i've if i've read it correctly um domestic battery mm-hmm. which i I'm, I'm looking at the kansas statue right now and so domestic battery you can have one of two things knowingly or recklessly causing bodily harm by a family or household member against a family or household member so a member of your household which can be a significant other child um family member there's certain distinctions there so and what people need to understand bodily harm in the legal process there's bodily harm, which is just any kind of bodily harm. There's um, there's substantial bodily harm. There's great bodily harm. Sometimes uh, for lower level type stuff, there's called demonstrable bodily harm, which means you need a bruise or something like that, right? That you can see. Bodily harm, you don't need to be able to see it. You just need to be able to feel it, right? Did you feel it when this happened? Or, so it's that, or knowingly causing physical contact with a family member um, when done in a rude, insulting, or angry manner. So the difference between what he's charged with and and this is, again, I haven't read the complaint. So I want to be really careful here because I've probably prosecuted somewhere between 500 and 750 domestic assaults, ranging from, you know, low-level misdemeanors to first-degree felonies. Um, every situation is different, mm-hmm. extremely different. And I'm comfortable saying that there's a wide variety of things that occur that I don't always know what happened. That said, prosecutors generally don't charge something out unless they think they have probable cause. And what he's alleged to have done here is different than what Gay is alleged to have done because he's Correct. alleged to have, um, he he's alleged to have made contact, right? Um, and so that that's a different thing. 
So, I mean, I'm almost hesitant to give examples of how it would be different because then people are going to think that's what I'm saying happened. But he's alleged to have actually contact with the person. Um, Well, in the in the call to the authorities with not her own cell phone, because that was damaged mm -hmm. uh, or part of the damages, um, she is, again, from a public report standpoint, she's alleging that he dragged her. Now, we don't know the details of how that dragging may have occurred and if that statement is actually true because the, as far as I know, there were either two people, perhaps three at this point of when this happened in the, in the apartment. So okay. what does drag equate to? It does, it does lend to Seth's point that this is, this is some physical contact of some sort versus a vacuum cleaner um, being a vessel for you to sort of... Um, express your frustration about, you know, a particular altercation. Uh, right. I'm saying the really gay situation. Right. And it's not to say that either one of them is okay, right? You're no, neither, well, neither one of them you're, is okay. You're, you're, an, you're an adult, act like one. Um, And so that that's one thing that I would say to people in general. Oh, don't, Thomas, don't, I'm going to get to grandma. Don't you don't, worry. Don't, oh. don't, don't throw grown man tantrums. Like, don't act like a two-year-old yeah. and you'll be fine, generally speaking. No matter what it is that happened, no matter how angry it made you, you know what you can do? You can walk away and call it a day like a grown up. So I, I maybe that's mean of me, but I just, you know, we're talking about a grown man here. So anyway, um, that's just, so dragging, that's what would fall into bodily harm. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I'm curious what comes, what comes of it. Um, uh, but that's, that's what I can provide from the legal side of things. It's a misdemeanor. Um, now, you know, and, and misdemeanors are treated a little bit differently in every single jurisdiction. Right. And and just one other detail to add, this is similar to, at least as we know right now, this is similar to the Charles Minihue altercation where it was also physical. He is alleged to shove his significant other to the ground. Right. So again, same sort of body-on-body contact. And then what is, I think, is the case here that is similar is in the Charles Minihue case, his significant other did not have any physical damage uh, and she did not want any medical treatment. And that appears to be the same case with this Justin Ross situation. So now you're really having to either, and again, you don't want to assume, but you're, you're trying to under, again, trying to fully understand it. If he is alleged to drag her, but she has no physical, you know, if there's no physical markings, then again, how do you sort of handle both of these things? we are led to be true at this point. Um, so I know somebody asked about the commissioner's list. The reason the commissioner's list is not involved in this is we have no video. Full stop. Second, uh, if it was video, this would be a whole different ball of wax. Um, second, uh, when it comes, now this is just as me understanding the NFL and try to explain to you the chief's position before we get to Josh's thoughts. I honestly believe, or I'm led to believe, with enough conversations, that probably at least a third of the team, at least a, a third of the teams in the NFL would no longer employ Justin Ross. The Chiefs have chosen not to be one of those teams in that category. A third of the league would have released him upon learning about this, the Chiefs have chosen not to do that. With that said, Josh, 
where do you sort of see this not only moving forward, but obviously get more information than we knew at the time on Monday? Yeah, the thing that frustrated me on Wednesday was when Andy Reid said, you know, here's who's not practicing today, everybody else will. And there was clarification that that did include Justin Ross. His statement at the front end was, we've gathered information and we're continuing to gather information, so he's going to be out there. And I think it ended up ultimately putting Patrick Mahomes in a really bad spot, and I think it ends up putting the Chiefs as a whole in a spot that they could have totally avoided. No one from the Chiefs on Chiefs letterhead or anything like that have put out a public statement. The only two people, even after pressers today, who have spoken about this with the Chiefs logo on is Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. The head coach who should speak on it and the quarterback who probably shouldn't have to, but in this case does. When when you say we're still gathering information, that's something you can say, you know, in real world examples or for the phrase that has come to the, you know, throughout public knowledge. If you say we're still gathering information, so he's on administrative leave. He he's away. We are we are setting us at a neutral here. He's neither here nor cut. The the commissioner's list is one of the things I, I was also thinking about. Your note, Nate, is um, true and sort of upsetting because you didn't say that that list isn't involved because it's not that bad. You said that list isn't involved because there's no video, which is tell me the, tell me the last time somebody was on the commissioner list that didn't involve video in a domestic violence situation. Yeah, I don't I don't have that example. Um, what what ends up happening then though that is that is so frustrating to me is the standard that's set is he is going to practice and he is going to play yes, unless he, we find new worse information cor- as opposed correct as opposed to he's going to be away from the team until we acquire enough positive information positive is in giant air quotes here but but less incriminating information or at least until we have enough information to say we know the full story the chiefs via Andy Reid said we don't know exactly what happened here so he's just going to keep playing. That was the statement. If that's not true, then there are lots of other ways the Chiefs could could go ahead and, and make a statement that would say, we've got a bunch of details and things things are not what they seem. And so he's going to be out there. But what it is instead is, again, he's out there until we learn something new, which is a little bit of a cop out. It also meant the question to Patrick Mahomes was very different. It, it, ultimately, Todd Lebo asks the question to Patrick Mahomes, hey, what, what's your message out there? What do you say to Justin? You know, he got arrested. Now he's practicing with you today. And Mahomes went on kind of some like quarterback speak that usually works of it's a brotherhood. It's a locker room. We want to lift each other up. You know, we're brothers in there. And in in so many contexts, that's a reasonable thing to say. In this context, it didn't feel very good to hear. And it's unfortunate because what the question in a better handled world, in my opinion, would have been the question would have been Patrick Dustin Ross arrested earlier this week away from the team right now. What do you tell everybody in the room? You know, how do you stay focused? getting ready for the Broncos? Or what do you tell the rest of the wide receivers who are here? And then he doesn't have to speak on Justin Ross at all. Mahomes at that point is speaking on, well, you know, I'm, I'm focused on the guys who are here right now. Hope that gets figured out in the, the best way possible. But I'm really just focused on what we're working on to, to, to keep locked in. And that's something we're, we're all aware of. That option wasn't there for him because Justin, because he was going to throw passes to Justin Ross 30 minutes after answering that question. Yeah, 45. that that to me just feels like a bluff, like a, a total blunder by the Chiefs. Yeah, um, but it is consistent with what they've done in the past, and and that that point needs to be made um, based on the facts we have right now and and the context that we're trying to present. Um, Thomas Lester just doing a hilarious, just an amazing job. Uh, he asked, you know, didn't they have Tyreek away? Um, basically, just to Josh's point on administrative leave. Yes, that also happened in the most turbulent offseason 
in franchise history. The summer of 2019, I'll never get it back. Personally, never. All right? But what you remember at that point, which I thought was very deliberate, they put out an audio conversation the week of the draft. No, man, I forgot about that. What a time. 20, I will... Well, and, and I have a lot to say about the summer of 2019. Yeah, it was there's a, wild. There was also, a lot going on there. There was a lot going on. There was audio, not video, but audio during the draft. And they just said, look, man, we got it. Things are flaming right now. So that's so it wasn't during the season. And I'm led to believe, given their track record, had this all happened during the season, he would have still been on the field. So you have with the you know the, the the Chiefs sort of hand this off to the league, that will be sort of adjudicated in the league's contest, which probably means he will be suspended next year if he's on the team or if he's on an, on another NFL team because obviously he's um, in a bit of an interesting standpoint that he wasn't a drafted player. Obviously, he's playing as an undrafted uh, second-year player in the league. All that to be said, last thing I'll say, fellas, Justin Ross's grandma needs to be lifted to the highest of the heights based on the situation and how volatile it can get both emotionally and what we've learned through all of this is Justin Ross's grandmother said come with me get your stuff and has basically tried to be um, a just loving family member trying to just there's so many things like obviously I can't say a ton but like I just thought what Justin Ross's grandmother did was very noble, very commendable, actually loving in uh, to both people. Um, and so she was told by the judge to not talk about this. So how much is he involved in the case? We don't know or the incident, but um, I just thought from a human standpoint, his, his grandmother did, did, did a lot that maybe other people in a similar situation would not have done. Seth looks confused, but I don't think that Seth can ask clarifying questions at this moment in time. So we're going I'm to do probably probably not going to be able to answer no. Seth. I'll it's tell just, you after the show. But it's like, an, it's an unusual thing for a judge to order a yes. potential witness not to talk about a case. That said, you know, judges have a lot of um, leeway in terms of how they handle things. They're trying to because what a judge is concerned about. It's worth noting. A judge is concerned about ensuring that someone's civil rights and 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 criminal rights are properly, because again, that's the criminal system. That's where people love to say innocent until proven guilty. That's in the judicial criminal system. You are alleged to have committed a crime. We we want to ma- ensure that the venue maintains that that's an appropriate venue that you can get a good jury pool from it mm-hmm. that that wouldn't be tainted by this becoming this wild public thing so judges are i, I just that was interesting to me because it's very unusual yes but it makes sense i i don't know i i personally i i i've seen enough of these that i'm i'm curious i i hope i hope it turns out okay um the, these are these are generally not great situations no nope. said vaguely they are less than I, they are they are less than ideal. Yeah. And I just think I just so Justin Ross's grandmother, uh despite all of this, should be commended. 
Yeah. Well, I thought it would be uh, nice and clever to try to have us have this very serious conversation and then a little ad break and then to come back and talk about the lighthearted things. I didn't consider that I would have to say, hey, Tucker, why don't you come read a DraftKings ad uh, while uh, we all get recalibrated to talk about some actual football on the other side of it? Sorry and thank you. <laughs> That's what I'm here for, Josh. Uh, NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is celebrating with an unbeatable offer. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for throwing down $5 on the NBA. Win or lose, it doesn't matter. You'll start the season with an instant dub like my Orlando Magic. And with the DraftKings parlays, everyone's got a bigger shot at basketball wins. String together multiple bets from the same game or build your parlay across multiple games for a shot at making your payday even sweeter. Basketball's more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code KCSN. New customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly for betting just $5. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code KCSN, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. Please play responsibly. I will have a Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Back to you, Josh. Thank you, Tucker. And uh, in a moment of self-awareness and clarity of what the segue is going to be, when we've mentioned Charles Aminahu having his six-game suspension, it's not that he just wasn't playing football for six games. It's because of a situation that sounds a lot like the one that we just talked about with Justin Ross. And now we're going to talk about how great Charles Aminahu has been in his one game back with the Chiefs. So this segue could be studied in uh, uh, sports podcast classes in the future for cognitive dissonance, and I'm aware of that. With that being said, Cognitive Dissonance shouted out and acknowledged. You guys have both written about Charles Aminahu. We're all very excited about what he's done in this defense. We are very excited about the Chiefs' defense altogether. Um, Seth, why don't you go ahead and, and open it up because you you wrote about him and then we're not on with us to uh, to talk about after getting to watch this new look defense on uh, in person on Sunday. Sure. Um, it was it was fun to watch. It's always fun to watch in person because you can see the whole field. You can see plays as they develop. Um, and, and the buzz in the stadium is always fun. By the way, the entire stadium saw MVS open on that touchdown. Really and it's like, Pap! Go <laughs> like just like I mean, everyone the problem was. Is the stadium it was like some group was yelling eleven, and some was yelling yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the Holmes could have just stopped and been like, what? Like, but the how he sees one that of them was stuff. like throw it to Marcus, and then it, Marquez looked up at the stands and just stared at them, and then resumed running his route again. <laughs> so I um, it, it was fun watching live because you can really see the the symbiotic relationship between pass rush and coverage. And that is such a huge thing. You know what team had a great pass rush? The 2018 Chiefs. They like Justin Houston had his first big bounce back year. He was a good pass rusher that year. That was last year. Tom Bahali was pretty effective. That was, I mean, they had effective passers. And of course, Chris Jones like really started to come into his own. Don't forget, They're, don't forget the other guy. Don't forget him, oh, man. Oh, no, oh, don't no. forget him. Oh no, oh no. And you can say it. Well, he played yes. a pretty big role. No one was happy about it, but he was very involved. Great first step. Maybe a little bit aggressive with it at times. D Ford, for yeah. the love of all things good and pure, that was the one year D Ford stayed healthy. They had another interior rusher that I'm forgetting right now. Alvin and, Bailey. Oh yeah, Alan Bailey. Bailey. Alan Bailey. Why did I say Alvin? Jeez, I don't know. It's a lot of names. So, yeah. So that that team had. 
a really good pass rush. They had at least they had multiple dudes and multiple really good guys. And the problem was on the back end, things were problematic. And so you can see right. live. Just say his name. Just say his name. And hey, Jared Goff, he's 22. His name is Orlando Skandrick. Throw to him every time. And, and also, so, if he's not on the field, 49's the guy. 49. Yeah, just finding him and just. So <laughs> I I would just say, so when, you, when you're there live, you can see the symbiotic relationship between the two. So like George Karloftis' sack. Pretty nice move around the edge. He's showing a little more ability to corner this year, which is great. He's added a little more variety. I don't know if he's ever going to be like a dude, but he might be like a dude. You know what I mean? Like this, there's levels. This, or he might be like not a guy. Like right now, he's a guy. He might be like a guy. Like levels. And so that little area between being a guy and being a dude is so important. It's yeah. just it's such a fine line. It's hard to it's hard to say. I think there, are, I think there are some incredible guys who actually don't equal a being kind of a dude and vice right. versa. Sometimes you'd prefer a guy over kind of a dude. Right. Well, and that like depends on what you need schematically. What? Exactly. Is Derek Nadia a guy? Against the past? No. Derek Nadia. I'm asking, baby. Yeah. <laughs> this year, I think he's been a guy. Hey. He's been solid in run defense this year. So someone commented, Carl Office now corners like a destroyer instead of a battleship. Like, you know, you you know that the that, that Colin's been like, look, man. You don't even have to be good at cornering. Can you just be a little less bad at it? And then maybe we can figure this out. So with Amenahu, with the defense, with the pass rush, two snaps that I would have people focus on that I think are demonstrative of the value that Amenahu brings. Um, and we'll go, well, actually three snaps, I'm sorry. So we'll go with the, with the sack and then the forced pick late. So you got one early in the game, you got one late in the game. There, Those plays are mirror images of one another, okay? And the first one, Amenahu is rushing off the, the left edge. Chris Jones is playing defensive tackle right inside him. Jones cuts up field, and then you've got Amenahu looping inside. That That's an intentional stunt or twist, depending on who you're talking to. I don't really care about terminology. The idea is there, you've got a guy like Jones who can win that gap outside the shoulder of the guard in a way that forces him to play upfield, and if the center's helping, the center's going to go all the way upfield to help, Right? And so if you've got a guy who can penetrate well, what that means is you start to, if you're a minute who you cut up field as though you're going to test the edge. And then once you've gotten that tackle to, to kick slide a couple steps, you can just use that length, use those wacky wobbly appendage arms and disengage and cut inside. And if that the the if the first guy is a good interior rusher, and Jones is a great one, they will force a step up and he's going to right into your lap. That was Amenahu sack. It was a good play by him, but a good, well-designed thing overall that required both of them to be good at what they do. Late in the game, Herbert's pick. They flipped it. Chris Jones lined up um, on the right defensive end. Amenahu was at defensive tackle right inside him. Ran the exact same game, just this time it's Amenahu penetrating. Does a great job. Jones cutting inside. Does a great job. That's a really exciting sequence because it's demonstrative of the fact, and that's, I always say you only use a, 
Yes, it is called a TE stunt. Thank you, Thomas. Um, I, I generally tend to stay away from utilizing any kind of personality. I've heard people call it a twist, to be perfectly honest. So it just depends on what defense you're playing or who you're talking to. Run the loop. Run the loop. Yeah. yeah. So what I would say is when you've got two guys, and they've got more than two guys, but but Amena, who is a little bit set apart, I think, from yeah. Dana and Karloftis for a reason, and I'll talk about that in just a second. But when you've got two guys that can execute either side of that stunt equally well, that allows you to force teams. You can play both of them all over, and you never know when they're going to play that game because that that stunt forces your guard to play things a certain way, forces your tackle to play things a certain way. It forces your center to understand, you know, well, there might be someone looping inside. Maybe I can't help. But if you don't help, and then suddenly you just got Chris Jones coming around that outside corner on the guard. And then there's just a lot of things that go into it there. And so one thing, so those are the two steps. They're just mirror images of each other, and they show the fun that Spags can have with those two guys. It also helps Carl Loftus does really well on stunts because they don't require the bend, and they take advantage of his athleticism and motor. And he's also got good power. Same with Dana. They've got guys with above-average power who are their edges. The thing that sets apart a Menahu is a throwaway that he forced along with Chris Jones, where he's rushing. This time it was Jones from the left defensive end, Ameta who was left defensive tackle, and he ended up one-on-one against the center because the guard kind of basically started out like he was going to help the center. It was like, oh, that's Chris Jones over there? Okay, Four hands! That, four hands! Yeah, four yeah, hands. yeah. Get four hands on that man! Four hands! Um, and, and, man, and Jones won to the outside anyway. It was hilarious. Um, and Ameta who very quickly beat the center... Um, you, you, you'd call it just a pure swim. Basically, he, 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 he was able to get just a little bit of distance and just discard him and, and, and swim over the top. Great bounce through contact, good length, really terrific power and was on Justin Herbert immediately. And he had nowhere to run. That's one, the thing that separates Amenahu from, I think, Karlapis and Dana is he's a little more able to win one-on-one matchups, especially from the interior. But on the edges, I think he's pretty much the same as those two guys. He's Okay. He's a guy, but on the interior, he's a dude. And so you combine those things, and now all of a sudden, if you've got two dudes, you don't know. Are the Chiefs going to run straight up? Are they just going to rush straight right after you? Are they going to run games? Because as an offensive line, if you are ready for the games and the stunts and the twists and all that stuff, then you can play them just fine. But if you've got to prepare, because it's two very different actions, trying to get four hands on someone, when you don't know, is he actually rushing, or is this man a decoy? So uh, that's what I really enjoyed watching about it, was seeing the the versatility there and adding another guy who can play all over. Nate, what did you see? What uh, what made him worth writing about for you? And then also, we've now heard uh, Spags talk about it a little more today, too. Yeah, it's just the idea that like this is this was their ideal defense, right? It, it, it's it's wild that it takes seven games, but the reason they hired, or the reason why they hired, the reason why they acquired Charles Mini yeah. was to be next to Chris Jones, and you're only going to see that more as the season goes along. You know, if they both stay healthy, I think this will be a fun sort of experimental game for the Chiefs defensive line before the actual test in Germany, because. If you can't get pressure on Tua Tunga by Aloha, and he's going to get the ball out in time, God bless your secondary. Um, and the Eagles pretty much showed that, obviously, last Sunday night. So um, it's good that they got a offensive line that was a little bit banged up, um, but you should take advantage of, and they passed the first test. 
Now for Charles Aminahue and Chris Jones, it's, hey, Charles is the new variable in this two-game matchup where you're playing the same team twice in the same month, which is stupid. Um, but also now uh, he's pretty much given them what they initially thought, and it's just another example of the coaching staff, Steve Spagnuolo and his uh, staff, and Brett Beach in the front office, really understanding that they went out and they got three rotational, serviceable, scheme-specific players in Charles Aminahue, Drew Tranquil, and Mike Edwards, and they've all hit. And if Charles Aminahue hits the way that Tranquil and Edwards have hit so far, now you have one of the best defenses in the league. So that was kind of what I wanted to get out of. Um, my story was not only just what he did during the suspension, how much the suspension um, weighed heavily on him just mentally, just because, you know, kind of similar to Willie Gay, although he didn't give the same amount of um, perspective or he wasn't as, um, you know, he didn't give as many details. As like Willie. introspective, maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah I, too many words. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> professional broadcaster Joshua Briscoe over here. With nice two, to hear that once. Two weasels uh, in the other <laughs> in the other boxes. Um, all I'm trying to say is that he didn't give as much introspection as what, say, Willie Gay did. And I've said before, and I've said it again, Willie Gay at every turn has told you, yep, what I did was stupid, and I've learned from it, and now you know I want to do as best as I can as a human not even relating to football. But at, in essence, you can kind of get the sense that not only did Willie Gay sort of advise him to be alongside Charles Aminahue throughout his suspension, but just when you're not working, when you know why you're not working, when you know that you're supposed to be counted on and it's a new team and it's a divisional game and like, you know, yeah, the guys have played good without you. So demonstrate your value immediately upon returning it, it it weighs a lot on you mentally so for him to share um that he went from one of the more depressing parts of his adult life to one of the most thrilling days of his adult life getting back on the field and sort of reestablishing who he is as a player in a new right. offense or excuse me in a new defense with a new team um playing alongside what he called a hall of famer which I thought to be really interesting. Oh, Charles Aminahue, you think you think that man should be in the Hall of Fame? Have you heard of Seth Kaiser? <laughs> and do you guys want to start the two-man committee to get this man, not just in the Chiefs ring of honor, but to Kenton, Ohio? Can I introduce you to Seth Kaiser? Also, do you have any feelings on Jamal Charles just while we're at it? Just while yeah. I mean, you guys with the same university. Yeah. Same, you guys, like a little... same first name. I mean, you guys. Well, 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 Seth. No, not the same first name. Sort of. Again, we are just fun name game thing is there. Yeah, Paul Charles Aminahu is right there for the date. Yes, yes, but but you know he did say that Chris Charles is a Hall of Famer, and I was like, oh, I'm sorry. We 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 need to have a sit down conversation. Let's let one go through it. One thing to note with Charles Aminahu from being there live Sunday. Other than maybe McCool Hardman, no one was having more fun than Charles mm-hmm. Menehu. Like before the game, when they were like, you know, warming up, they're doing their stuff. He was like running up towards the crowd and like, and then the crowd was obliging because it's Arrowhead. Arrowhead, just on a side note, 
for a just kind of run-of-the-mill October. Like, it's a divisional game. It's not like it was the Raiders or the Broncos, though. Arrowhead was, like, ready to explode the moment that game began. It was just really interesting. Just very... Arrowhead's always great, but it was like... I don't know. There was there was more energy than normal there, and Amenahu seemed just thrilled about the whole thing. It makes sense. I mean, he and McCall Hardman had both been banished out of professional football for six weeks, so um, <laughs> I'd they'd both be pretty excited. And speaking, speaking of uh, guys who have had uh, questionable forms and how they fit into this offense and everything, Nate, you mentioned something in the group text earlier today that I had not considered that you yeah. wanted to bring up that I think is a really interesting one. We are rapidly approaching. I think you said tomorrow. Tomorrow, the, the one-year anniversary of the Kadarius Tony train. Yeah, baby. Uh, oh, yeah. A, I read that. a year with the Kansas City Chiefs for Kadarius Tony. Yeah. What? What did you want to look back on there? Why did that? Why did that spark up for you? Well, Josh, I'm so glad you asked. So you try to be the professional writer that I am. Me and my gal, Charlotte Carroll, covers the Giants for the Athletic. Uh. We evaluate the trade. It's one of my favorite. One of my favorite things that I've done this season is to chat with Charlotte every week. How they do it? What do you think of Kadarius? She's like, he got hurt again, and I was like, yeah, it's the first day of training camp. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, like the first. I mean, they haven't even ran around Charlotte. Um, so me and Charlotte have had a lot of fun with it. It's an evaluation where I feel like, and we both kind of landed on this. How do you evaluate this trade a year later? Says a lot about you as a football observer, as an evaluator, as someone who's watched both teams. I think the Giants technically got the better. It's not even technically, but the Giants got the better player uh, because that trade eventually led to them getting Darren Waller. But did the Chiefs win the trade, fellas? That was that was. That was the thing that's percolating in all of this, which I hope when Chiefs fans and Giants fans come together in the comments, that I'm sure it'll be civil as to who won the <laughs> Who won the trade, guys? I mean, it's gotta it's gotta be the Chiefs because you this is the same analysis that I gave when talking about McCole Hardman. Uh, you know, I they gave up if you I don't know if you take into account compensatory picks. We don't need to do all that again. But like sure to me, like people were like, "Oh, McCall Hardman, he's not, he's not really that much better than the guys they already have in place." But if but, it's one percent better, one percent better in the right individual, now. yep, in the individual games that matters because and in the NFL games are won and lost on such a very narrow red, mm-hmm. and so like to me, like McCall Hardman. Hey, he converted that third down. Would one of the other guys? Maybe, but he did. And that's something he's done before. The punt return, would Tony have run that back? Maybe, but Hardman did. And so that 1% matters. And I think that's where that 1% in terms of with Kadarius Tony, when you're a Super Bowl contender, like a legit Super Bowl contender, I think that 1% matters way more. And that's where you've got to be careful not to give up too much in terms of future assets to get 1% or 2% better because you want to be a Super Bowl contender every year, and you are with Patrick Mahomes. But that's where Kadarius Toney matters, mattered last year way more for the Chiefs than he would have for the Giants. Just like also Hardman. true. Yeah, because it's just because those one or two plays, because suddenly when you're like in the AFC Championship game or whatever, all the aggregate statistics, they still mean something, but they don't mean nearly as much in the individual. 
Because then what matters is, okay, am I 1% better in this game? Because that means we win. So that that's a, that, that's where I'd land on the Tony thing because of their situation. I think both teams won. I think the Giants what? got a return. No, with. we can't have this. <laughs> no, both, no. Both <laughs> Yeah, we're going to spend both can't win. That's right. Seth, what are we doing? No. I need a loser, Seth. I multiplied the fish in the loaves. What do you want from me? I. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Josh, go ahead. Let's go. I think they both won, Nate. No. <laughs> we cannot have this. Oh, I definitely agree with the point that. Kadarius Tony does nothing for the New York Giants. Like right. just it's just a basically a non-needle mover. And I think that Darren Waller, as a guy like you're building part of your your offense around, for better or for worse, I think does change what the Giants wanted to do. Right. My extra question would be, hey, would you trade Kadarius Tony for Darren Waller if you're the Chiefs? I think the answer to that might also be yes. Yes. So yes. and that is and that is what we've learned over the last year is that the Chiefs won the trade. But they also haven't won the trade. Yeah. Because he was supposed to be wide receiver one. And right. we have a year of evidence that that is actually Rasheed Rice. Right. Full yeah. stop. That, that, that is a little bit. I, I would say that there's a there's a world in which Kadarius Tony has contributed to a Super Bowl in a, in a genuine way. Mm-hmm. And a way when he has disappointed to some extent so far this season. And a world in which he's not done yet. And a world in which I would give up on the experiment to have Darren Waller be tied into on this offense. Like all, of, I think all of those things could reasonably be true, um, and they're probably both pretty happy with where it landed. Um, <laughs> just Nate had an aneurysm. No, I'm uh, I'm a, I am a hopefully professional award-winning writer, <laughs> reporter, and maybe entertainer. Maybe maybe put that on the last comma. Um, I think it belongs. The 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 funny thing is, yes, it is wild to say that Rice is the the number one receiver right now, but that's any any measurement, any statistical data, our own eyes tell us that like in a roundabout way, like Canarius Tony is kind of who he is, but maybe you give Rick Boltholder credit? Because guess what, kids? For the first time in Kadarius Tony's career. He's been in every game. That he ran, he ran a slant, and got open. I was like, "Whoa!" and caught it. Yeah. Oh, uh, this this is this is what I think must eat away at Giants fans. It's not the Super Bowl. No, it couldn't be the Super Bowl. I mean, I feel like it's probably that a little bit. Well, he actually helped the divisional rival not win the Super Bowl. Just it's the idea that he a loves being a part of the Chiefs and I'll suit up every game for these mother bleepers but I never I never did that for y'all even though you all knew I was talented and you traded you gave a first round pickup for me and you only got a compensatory third and what I'm doing right now I love this bit it's just I don't know if it's a Jedi mind trick thing but like you all both know I would have never played seven out of seven games I was in y'all's uniform. But since I got Pat Mahomes, I'm going to be out here on a recently surgically repaired knee and a sprained toe and whatever God effing thing this sport does to your body. I'll be out there. 
No, De- no Deshaun Watsoning for Kadarius Tony nope. in Kansas City. Nope. Hey, hey. In the injury sense, anything. Literally every other sense. Deshaun, what, what Deshaun Watson. Oh, I, I did this, and this is on me. This is your what, fault. Too. What Deshaun Watson. I turn off my camera, does it? Just it everything up, Tucker. Let me just speak. Let me just speak truth to to the audience. What Deshaun Watson and Daniel Jones <laughs> told each and every one of us is: Have you all seen that offensive line? Hell no. I need another <laughs> week off. I forgot. Hell no. Daniel Jones gonna do it. Daniel Jones is watching Tyler Rod Taylor take a grown man's job. Which, by the way, how is it twenty twenty three? And I know we're on a, an hour and man, it's minutes. an hour and ten minutes. We haven't talked about the Broncos once yet, man. Chiefs thirty, Broncos seventeen. Chiefs, you know what? Hold on, let me think. Well, my Buster, question was going to be: Can you get? Can I talk you this to, into this being a trap game? You had a more interesting divisional game last week. You're about to get ready to go to Germany. You got to get all your ducks in a row to go travel internationally. Miami Dolphins, big game. Then you get your bye week, and then after that, it's the Eagles. You just trounced this team two weeks ago. They're the Broncos. They stink. This is this is a perfect. This is a Textbook trap game. 34-17. Nah, 27 Are we sure Butker's 27-10? I think are we sure Butker's gonna be get well no, because they'll just they'll just kick extra points with, with Reed. To- and Tobe said he's expecting him back. Yes. Okay. Yes. So I'm going let me think, hold on. I'm going th- someone already said 34, didn't they? I'm saying 27-10 officially. I'm going 36 yeah. 20. And that 36 is two field goals and a safety. If you're the Broncos, you have no you have no desire to win this game. You should have no desire to win. Honestly, you shouldn't play Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton or Patrick Sertin. Because Jerry Judy to Kansas City for a fifth round pick and going cause, today. Because someone told me the trade deadline is uh, next week. So, Send Kansas City Hollywood Brown for a fifth round pick and call it a day. Are you guys his whole contract? Are you guys two of are you guys two of five? Are you trying to win? I, 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 I mean, I mean, and if so, why? Why? That that's the real question. Because yes, they're professionals. I know they want to win. We're all competitive as humans, but also, yes. yeah. You know, Sean Payton's out here thinking, if we stink and I'm in a position to draft one of these very good quarterbacks in this draft, I can punt on Wilson and blame every blame Wilson for everything, and everyone will still like me. And the Walmart well, not will and the Walmarts will pay for it. I don't even call them the Waltons anymore. The, the Walmart, Walmarts, the Walmart, the Walmart pay for it. The Walmarts will say, "Hey, that's why we hired you. We gave it a year. It was cool. Do you see how many Walmarts we got? I don't care about cap hits. Dead cap, my you dead cap these these Walmarts all over the streets. <laughs> okay, get out of here. Also." Um, it's not a trap game because they've won 16 in a row. It's yeah. just not. It's just not. I think it would be a trap game if I had less belief in the team's head coach and quarterback and their specific desire to not let that streak in because they were thinking about Germany. Well, and they, here's the deal. If they win, I, I need to pull this up really quick. Uh, NFL standings. Mm-hmm. Hold on. Yep. Here we go. All right. So right they, now, uh-huh. you've got... You've got the Dolphins and the Ravens and the Jags. If the Jags are five and two, I know, dude. If the Chiefs would have lost that game, the Jags would be the one seed in the AFC right now. Mm-hmm. The, Jags are, the Jags are legitimately good. 
Yeah, the Jags-Lions game. Like, when you look back at the Chiefs' schedule, I was like, this has not been an easy schedule. Every and game this year only, looks better. The only reason they lost to the NFC North leading Detroit Lions, who are 5-2 and two and look really good, is because they didn't have their two two of their three best players. And Canary's Tony threw or, the ball at the other team. Or. Oh, oh, football! Here! Or, do you want this? Or. Chiefs win the because trade. the Chiefs lost the trade. Chiefs <laughs> <laughs> win the trade. Uh, oh, uh, obviously this is all somewhat tongue in cheek, but look, all I'm gonna say is, if Sean Payton is petty to take Keandre Colbert, let me let me just scoop you up off waivers because Frank Clark doesn't want to be here. Oh yeah. Also, Frank Clark. Frank Clark is home, back with his old team, like everyone predicted, like we talked about. Frank Clark has returned to the old stomping grounds. And so need, he's with the Seattle Seahawks. Frank, I needed the quotes, baby. I needed the <laughs> quotes. I needed elite content from you. Go get that elite <sighs> content in Seattle. Shout out to my guy, Michael Sean Dugart. Oh, he's gonna have a great. Oh, he's gonna do a great thing with that. Amazing quotes. Oh, yeah, he's he gonna is. Because they, they also, too, might win the division. Um, all I'm saying is if Sean Payton's petty enough to say, let me take Keiondre Culber, hell, we didn't even look at him in the draft. Who cares? Bring him to me because I'm so upset with Andy Reid and the Chiefs and the idea that we can't beat them. Has he unacknowledged that Patrick Mahomes has done that for the Walmarts? Whoa. And the Walmarts allowed this to happen? Whoa. They didn't hire their own quarterback. How did you? Hey, this is business. This is business. I don't care if you're my kid. Who's this better person? To, to, <laughs> Can you help us make better. more money to continue to beat us? Oh my God, Galaxy Raid! Why did we do this? Why? Why did we? Why did we hire Patrick Mahomes when he already has IV? Oh, come on! Why did we do this? Where are the Walmart's? He'll just pay for anything. Like picturing them marching around at their gigantic Lake Cabin estates. We're the Walmarts. We're the Walmarts. Like, I just can't even like, did you come against the Walmarts? It's like, guys, it's like a $60 million dead cap hit and they need <laughs> it. Because so they're the Walmarts. So crazy. Hey, Nate wrote a story in The Athletic about Patrick Mahomes playing safety. Y'all should go read it. We weren't going to really talk about it today anyway, because it's like, it's a lot, Nate, it's a lot of words, man. It's a lot of words, and I don't, I don't, we don't have to have Seth break down the film review live on the show, oh, I wish but did, that would actually be excellent. If you would like to go through, much like Justin Reed, I have a lot of questions about how this story came together, Nate, that you can answer either off air or next week, because uh, it's, we've got an hour 15, and I'm worried about Tucker. So, thank you. you've got thank our predictions. You. Go read Nate's story uh, up on The Athletic about Patrick Mahomes' uh, brief sojourn on the defensive side of the football. It's excellent. And uh, Seth's got film reviews, uh, both about the Chiefs' balance and uh, Aminahu, and both of them are going to have stuff coming out the rest of the week leading up to Chiefs-Broncos as well. So that's all of the things that we needed to hit. I think we'll be back on Monday. I'll let you each give a chance to either plug something that you're doing or get us out of here. Seth, you go first, though, because Nate gets the last word, so you got to go first now. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm... It's okay, man. No, it's all right. I don't know. I'll probably no, it's all right, about... buddy. I'll, I'll probably write about something related to how the Chiefs play on Sunday. Hey. Um, and this, last... There's definitely one weasel on this show, Nate. You definitely got that, for sure. 
You're not charging Mahomes his snaps this week, Seth. You didn't want to plug that? Oh, crud. Yeah, I'll probably do that. Jackass. <laughs> Just an unmitigated jackass. <laughs> oh. Lastly, kids, remember. Why do I know I, your You don't tell me. I just know you do it every week. So I know your publishing schedule because I want people to go to mnchoosefan.com, subsec.com, or to bit.ly slash Seth really hates money, a URL I made to get a direct link to Seth with great deals for the Substack because I want you to have a successful Substack, Seth. That's all. I just want you to be successful and to be a happy person. And I'm like, hey, Seth, can we plug this thing that you're writing so you can continue to make a little more money, $12 per year at a time? And you say, no, thank you. I'm not interested. By the way, I think the one about uh, team balance is unlocked for everybody at oh, the yeah. Substack. I did do that. Thank you for telling people that. It's not that I don't want, I'm not interested in that. It's just that I wasn't listening. Okay. And lastly, kids, never forget in the sports media content era we're living in, neither team. There cannot be a trade where both teams win. There must not be a trade where both teams win. This is how you make media content. Who is the winner? Who's the loser? No one. No. Don't even don't even think of the idea of a three-team trade where all three teams get what they want. That's absurd. Why would they agree to it? Someone has to lose. This this communist Russia. I feel like the loser today. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.